Hey, it's the Disco Posse Show. This is Eric Wright. I'm the host of the Disco Posse Podcast. Thanks for listening. And don't forget, i got to send out the subscribe notification. Please do so if you haven't already subscribed to the podcast. Make sure you subscribe in your favorite uh, podcast app of choice. Check us out on Spotify so you can get notified when new episodes are dropping. Speaking of dropping, one thing you don't want to do is drop your data protection guard. With that, this sponsored episode is brought to you by Veeam Software. If you want to go and make sure that you are protected for all of your data protection needs on-premises, in the cloud, everywhere in between, including SaaS. Uh, in fact, I've got an upcoming episode where you're going to feature uh, a really great uh, person from the team at Veeam. At any rate, go to Veeam, go V-E-E dot A-M forward slash Disco Posse. And that's a special link. It takes you right there. Let's know you came uh, from the Disco Posse podcast. So check it out, V-E-E dot A-M forward slash Disco Posse. In this episode, I meet with Adam Gilbert. Adam is the founder of MyBodyTutor.com. More than just what he's doing through an incredible coaching system and what he's really doing as a group uh, and leading people towards a better lifestyle and better lives. Uh, it's just such an incredible story. So listen in, and I hope you enjoy as much as I did. Hi, this is Adam Gilbert. I'm the founder of MyBodyTutor.com, and you're listening to the Disco Posse Podcast. begin and I'm very happy uh, today to welcome somebody who's got a story that uh, when I read the story it 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 makes me warm inside and I remember my own kind of personal journey with health uh, my family's journey with health through my dad uh, and we'll kind of go into it most importantly not just the journey but where the journey leads and the potential for success. So I'm happy to welcome uh, Adam Gilbert. Uh, you have created something which is really great. Uh, and I'm going to tell people right now, pause, go to mybodytutor.com, check it out. You'll see what we're talking about. They'll want to check it out at the end for sure. We'll have links. But Adam, if you want to introduce yourself, let's talk about how you got started and uh, really kind of the, the problem that you're helping people to solve, because this is something that there's very few people in the world who won't find meaning in what we're about to share. Thanks so much for the kind intro. Um, yeah, so I guess, you know, um, my story started, uh, you know, at Ernst & Young, um, and uh, I was working there for two years. And, you know, since day one, I, I had a stomachache because I knew I wasn't meant to be doing what I was what I should be doing, what I wanted to be doing. Um, and after two years, I finally had the courage uh, to quit and pursue my passions of helping people and health and fitness. Um, and we started my body tutor. Now, there's really so much we could unpack out of what you just shared right there. Number one, passion and pursuit is, is heavy. It's a hard thing for people to be able to do uh, because you know, even like a lot of, a lot of people that are like VCs and founders, they'll be like, you got something you're passionate about? Probably not a good business. Be careful. Right. <laughs> but, yeah. but you, yeah. it was, this is, it meant enough to you that you knew there was something you could do. So let's, if you don't mind, Adam, let's go back to the start and talk about 
how you got to knowing that you needed your own, you need to start your journey with, with fitness and, and what it meant to you. And let's talk about your family's history and, and with health. I'd love to hear it. Yeah. So, uh, you know, growing up, um, you know, my sister, my older sister, um, you know, she's five years older. Um, you know, she always used food as an escape. Um, and uh, my parents got divorced when I was four. She was nine. Um, you know, and I would see her kind of yo-yo throughout the years. Uh, so sometimes she was, you know, in shape. Sometimes she wasn't. And I would see her and hear her scream and cry whenever she get ready for big events. Um, so seeing that firsthand definitely had a big impact on me. Um, so, um, you know, that certainly impacted my, um, you know, uh, passion in terms of like, I just saw how much your health and fitness can impact you. Um, and then when I was in seventh grade, uh, my father, um, had a heart attack. Um, my sister was learning to drive then, uh, he actually called us, uh, cause we weren't living with him cause my parents are divorced and we picked him up and actually drove him to the hospital as he was having a heart attack. Um, and then a few days later, he had triple bypass surgery. Um, so seeing him kind of, uh, you know, get prepared for this major surgery, um, seeing him after the surgery was really, really scary. Um, I mean, it, it was it was terrifying uh, to see all these tubes and I mean, open heart and surgery obviously is 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 pretty much as major as it gets. Um, and then uh, a little after that, he was diagnosed with multiple sclerosis. Um, so seeing you know, just seeing him kind of, uh, you know, uh, deteriorate mentally and physically throughout the years um, until he passed away. Um, and, you know, with my sister, that really just kind of made me take my health um, seriously. Um, and I was, you know, that really kind of, yeah, that, that's what started it all. That's heavy, right? And in, in it's, it's something that, like I said, and why, why it means so much to me, it, it makes me like, you know, well up inside just thinking about it. I, I selfishly, I will tell my story is, is not, not dissimilar. I'm lucky, you know, and I'm sorry for the loss of your father. Very, very Thank much you. am like, you know, my, as a, as a young kid, I remembered skateboarding with my cousin down the driveway at my uncle's place. And then my mom, you know, sort of running over and I couldn't figure out why she was, you know, running across the roads. And she says, you know, David's in the hospital and he's had a heart attack and i thought the weird thing was i had another cousin named named david and it scared the hell out of me and then when she told me it was your dad it's your dad and i was like somehow i knew he was he was going to be okay and i i got to it and, and, and like you said you, you see them go through this and it's profound the effect and then he was in his early 40s and so then when i hit that age myself I kind of knew I was on borrowed time, but leading up to it, you know, 10 years prior, I had thought I was doing okay. I had normal diet, nothing out of the ordinary. I wasn't super overweight. I was 200 pounds, but I'm six feet tall. No one, in fact, your, your grandparents always say, oh, you look so, so nice and full in the face. You looked so gaunt before, right? And like, you looked so unhealthy. What nobody knew was how unhealthy I was inside. And, and it's tough, right? And, and, it, and I wouldn't have realized it. I wasn't suffering from anything until I, you know, went and I, oh, yeah, you check your blood pressure, check your cholesterol. And, and you started to see the results, but and it was tough, right? Like, cause you just, no one tells you this, Hey, this is, and in fact, right. even worse. And, and, you know, again, I apologize. I'm taking up the start of this no. to kind of share the story, but I, I face it every day. 
that I'm constantly surrounded by people who think it's just normal to let your body go as part of the deal. Yep. And I say, it's, it's, what are we doing wrong as a society that we've let that belief occur? Let's have yeah. yeah, But anyways, really, so you're, you've built, you've developed a way in which you can, you've, you've succeeded. So maybe talk about you, your sister's journey and, and kind of like where this first played out from idea to ultimately now what you have is effectively a platform for connecting great people with the right coaches and the right methods to succeed in, in their, their goals and, and achieving those goals in measurable ways, which is also super important. Yeah. Well, first of all, thank you for sharing your story. It's interesting. And, you know, I always say success at the expense of our health isn't really success. Um, and I think some people think, you know, you just have to forego your health in order to, you know, be successful or get whatever you want in life. Um, so, no, but, you know, I just wanted to share that and I appreciate you sharing it again. Um, but in terms of, you know, my body suitor, uh, for me, the idea kind of came to me when I was at Ernst & Young. Um, and, uh, you know, I was kind of always the go-to guy for health and fitness. And I would, get, I would give partners and clients and colleagues advice. Um, and it was always the same story. I'd see them a week or two later. And depending on, you know, their client obligations and life, it was always some sort of excuse. It was like, I really, you know, I love the plan you made for me, but, and it was, you know, work, life, kids, et cetera. Um, and the idea was that, you know, these people had a plan. They liked the plan, but they couldn't stick with it. They couldn't implement it on a daily basis. Um, so that was where the idea of my body shooter came into play. It was, we're going to tell you what to do, but we're going to make sure you actually do it day in and day out. We're going to hold you accountable. We're going to support you. We're going to guide you. We're going to coach you every single day. Because as you know, tactics are only a small part of it. It's about implementing it on a daily basis. Um, so, you know, that's when I, you know, I started my body shooter. That was in, uh, you know, I quit Ernst Young in January of 2007, started my body shooter in February uh, the following month. You know, and thankfully since then, we've slowly but surely, you know, grown our company and, and our team. And, you know, now we help people all over the world. And it really truly comes from the combination of things that you just shared there. That it's, I could download a plan off the internet. There's tons of them, right? Not, not going to do any good if you're not given the guide. And I really think like the personal guidance is, is important because it also not only just the help and the nudge and the reinforcement and the things that we need, it also is the accountability of having somebody there to kind of sort of keep you on a track. And when you slip off track, which it's inevitable, it, exactly. Find you find me a person that's got a perfect plan, and I'll find you that someone that slipped off that plan. It doesn't matter how great that person is, uh, you know. Even the, the, you know, it's and it's so funny. The we look to these heroes. We we create these sort of heroic cultures of like athletics and all these things, and they're they're amazing. But no one realizes like even they slip, and they yes. may not feel that they're performing. <coughs> excuse me, but setting your level of performance, we kind of look at that and say, it's not possible. So therefore I shouldn't start my own journey. And it's a weird, we love, we love aiming for disappointment, don't we? <laughs> yeah. I, I think um, it's a defense mechanism, right? So like I'll have, you know, we have so many success stories and I will have people who, you know, email me or call me and they're like, Oh, I read so-and-so success story. It really inspired me. But, and already in their head, they're creating some sort of, reason or some ways this person is different from them from them 
And they're not, they're just another person who saw our program, gave us a chance and got results. But in their head, they have to create some sort of reason or some sort of way that person is different for them. And we do that with athletes, but to your point, you know, and I work with athletes, I work with professional athletes. Like these people are just like us. The difference is they get right back on track right away. Um, And that's really, really important. And, you know, to your point of knowledge, right? A lack of knowledge is not the real issue, especially in 2020, even in 2007 when I started this. Um, it's about a lack of consistent action. That's the real issue. And that's what we focus on. Well, let's, if I don't want to make you unpack a program right here, because it isn't, right? It's not something you can just lay down in a podcast and people are going to, going to get. So it's not, not bad. We're going to kind of touch on some of the methods. And also for folks that are listening, you know, the usual, the usual disclaimer should apply. You're listening to a guy who's a technology evangelist talking to a person who's a founder of a, of a platform. Uh, seek medical advice before you do anything heavy. Uh, as far as changing your lifestyle, attacking health and whatever. I personally am just, look, people should probably consult a physician if they want to make a significant change or, or or at least seek the right advice through people that are, you know, like like you, Adam, who can give the right advice. So don't listen to old disco posse here because I'm just a guy that happened to be lucky enough that I got through it. But it's important that, and but at the same time, the, I think the worst thing I did at points was go to my doctor. But my doctor just kept telling me to get ready for it, kid. You know, this is just what happens when you're 25 and when you're 30. And I even went to our medical system. And I'm Canadian, so it's even a different system altogether. But there was no proactive preventative plan that was given to me by my physician at the time. My physician is a youth, my, my general practitioner. He was a runner. And, and he was like all about preventative and he never wanted to prescribe drugs. He was always about like, let's attack it in every way we can through natural methods and using your healing capabilities and unlocking them. And then, you know, 10, 15 years later, now, you know, different physician. And he's like, what do you need? You know, pulls out the pad and, and, and ready to write, write a script. So I find that you know, this is the thing that we go to people and we can look to advice and it really is much, much more than just here's an idea, but here's people that have succeeded. The success stories are powerful. Here's a way in which you can do it with advice and with a person to coach you through it. Right. Huge advantage. Right. You know, so why, why do we, why do we fail so well? <laughs> and why do we accept failure? I think is really the question, Adam. How, how many people have you seen that were just like, Nah, I'm good. You know, I'm uh, so I got an extra 25 pounds. They feel okay about it because it doesn't feel maybe distinct, but it's they don't they don't realize the impact. Yeah, I mean I, that's that's an interesting way to put it. Why do we fail so well? So I think you know I guess for me my life's work is figuring out you know how to stay consistent when it comes to your diet and exercise. Um, how do you stay consistent when it comes to pursuing your health and fitness goals? Um, and I boiled it down to three things. Uh, number one it's having a plan that's doable for you, right? So whatever you're doing, you know, it has to be realistic. It has to be sustainable. It has to be based on the realities of your life, right? Your negotiables, your non-negotiables, your preferences, your likes and dislikes, you know, and too often, you know, we're starting these crazy diets, whether it's a cookie diet or a shake diet or a lettuce diet or a no carb diet, you know, whatever the diet of the month or year is, it has to be realistic. Um, So that's number one is whatever you're doing is making sure, is make sure it's actually doable for you. Um, I think the second thing is why consistency is so hard um, is that most plans really only focus on the food you're eating, right? And if you only focus on the food you're eating, 
you're not going to change for the long term. It's critical that you change your relationship with food, your mindset, your psychology, um, your habits. We like to call it MPH, M for mindset, P for psychology, and H for habits. Um, because as you probably know, a knowledge or lack of knowledge is only so much, it's only a small part of the problem. The real problem is why can't we do it? And a big part of that is our mindset, right? What's going on between our ears. So that's a big part of what we focus on. And then last but not least is accountability. Without accountability, it's too easy to make excuses. It's too easy to rationalize to ourselves during and after a long day. Um, and that's why we offer it on a daily basis. So for me, I think it's a combination of A, having a plan that's actually doable for you. B, really change your relationship with food and developing healthy habits. And really, you know, C, um, you know, having accountability to tie it all together and do it consistently. Yeah, and, and really the, the hard part, especially when we don't have the accountability, is that we are, we're only accountable to ourselves. And boy, oh boy, are we good at coaching ourselves out of a, out of a, a different, difficult problem. Like, it's like, you know what? wouldn't hurt if I skipped a day. I'm like, I know I skipped yesterday too, but we'll be back on track. And, you know, and right. it's, it's very easy. And I remember it was a, I was cycling one time and I was, I used to ride up mountains. I'm, I'm the guy that rides up while other people ride down. So my favorite thing was going up this 12 kilometer gradient every Saturday morning. And I would try and do it twice. And boy, boy, one day I went, first time I was going, I was, I wasn't feeling it. And I just wasn't, I wasn't feeling good. And all that's going through my head is nobody knows. Oh, I just dropped there. Sorry. My, my internet has been shaky this afternoon. I apologize if I dropped out for a second there. Um, but I would say to myself, nobody knows you're out here, but you just turn around. <laughs> and then yep. I stopped. I literally stopped and I start i turned my bike down heading down the road and i said and i thought of it a weird thing is this is a quote whether it's right or not is attributed to lance armstrong he says the thing about quitting is that no one else no one else cares and only you're gonna know hmm. and while yeah. that would some people would be like perfect <laughs> i'm the opposite i'm like I'm going to forever know that I gave up right now. And so I yeah. turned it back around and I started and I suffered. And once I was through that next period, but boy, oh boy, it's, it was hard to keep that motivation. And, and I was like, I'm doing an athletic activity, which I should be okay with doing, but day to day diet, like you said, the relationship with food is so fundamentally different. I don't have to ride a bike up a mountain. I got to eat though. So when people say, you know, it's like addictions, well, look, you don't have to smoke. You don't have to take, you know, drugs, whatever you got to eat. And if you've got a tough relationship with food, it's hard to escape the addiction because you've got to do it a bunch of times in a day. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, well, I think your point of like that story, I think, you know, what we say to ourselves in moments of discomfort is really fascinating. Um, and I think one of the things we're really good at is changing that kind of soundtrack we all have, you know, and I think we all have that inner voice where it says, all right, quit now, or you deserve to rest or eat this, or it doesn't bother, it, don't, it won't matter. Um, whereas, you know, as if you have good coaching and, and you learn how to change that, you know, it'll say, you know what, keep going, keep pushing. You know, you're going to look at yourself in the mirror tonight and feel really good. You're going to wake up tomorrow morning feeling proud of yourself, feeling proud of yourself as, as you've obviously, as you obviously do. And I think that's, that's really important. And when you you know, I often say happiness is um, when your actions and desires are in alignment. 
um, and unhappiness is when your actions and desires aren't. And, you know, I think when you're being the person you want to be, it feels really good. Um, but in terms of relationship with food, um, yeah, that's a big part of it because so many of us use food for way more than just fuel, right? We're using it as a distraction, as an escape, as a source of pleasure, um, as a way to numb ourselves. Um, and that's a big part of what we focus on is helping people understand their triggers, um, you know, and working on ways to change that. Yeah, we even have it, we call it comfort food. No one calls it comfort deadlifts. Like right. you, <laughs> we, right, exactly. we think that a good thing is just, you're, you're okay, Adam, take a break. Have some mashed right. potatoes. You'll feel great. <laughs> like that's, that's what we tell ourselves and never thinking about the, well, if you do it too much, then the, the cumulative effect is what, what happens. And, and here's the other thing too. I realized when I was 50 pounds overweight, which wasn't even noticeable on my body type. And then the first thing you do is think, I got to fix this. So you head to the gym and you do a workout and you feel great. The next day you feel a little sore. So you work out again. The next day you can't go to the gym because you can barely walk. The next day you look at the scale, you've lost a little bit and then you get busy and then that's it. You think, man, there's no way I can do this because you're looking at 50 pounds. But what you should be looking at is 700 calories. Like, can I get rid of an extra 700 calories today? But we as humans, we suck at this. We, we look and we say, I need to get rid of 50 pounds. And so the not realizing it took you 10 years to gain it, that it should take you more than a day to be able to un, undo it. So how do we, how do you set people with the right attainable goals? You know, even let's just use kind of an example person who maybe is me, right? I was 50 pounds overweight, not, not a huge problem, not athletic, but athletic enough, like I can do things. But how do I begin to think of that 50 pound goal, but attack it one day at a time? Yeah, I think, well, that is the approach is like, it has to be one day at a time, right? You're not going to lose all that weight at once. Um, and I think it really comes down to having a plan that's doable for you, really learning how to change your relationship with food, your mindset, your psychology, um, and having accountability. Um, I think too often people try to change everything at once, and they wind up changing nothing at all. Um, I think it's important to understand, um, you know, every behavior, one thing I've learned is every behavior, positive or negative, is serving us in some way. Right. So even if it's, you know, a, a negative behavior, it's serving us in some way. Right. So when you're using food at the end of a long day in that moment, it's making you feel good. Right. So when you can understand how it's serving you, then you can work and, and begin on changing that and find something else that serves you better and doesn't make you feel bad afterward. Now, the the food we eat. Is problematic. What like what would you maybe let's go through your own choices so that let's make it sort of centered on how you stay on track yourself what's what's a daily diet or, or what is a, a normal sort of food program look for you in in your particular choices well i will say this I'll, i'm happy to share that but for me the best diet for someone is you know and it, i always joke like the best diet in the world is one you can actually stick with right? <laughs> yeah good good call yeah and that means it's built around your favorite foods it's built around your negotiables and non-negotiables. It's built around your preferences. So what I might like, you might not like. So 
you know, it has to be customized, right? So obviously someone who is a vegan, you know, we're not going to ask them to start eating meat, right? Someone who wants to, you know, avoid a certain food or hates fruits and vegetables, we're going to take that into account. Um, so, you know, for me, it's, it's like, I do what works for me because it's easy for me and, and I enjoy it. Right. But like, um, I mean, I don't, I mean, you want, you want me to just go meal by meal. I mean, cause that yeah, might I'd love be to just kind of lay out what a, what a day cause, and also your output levels. Cause this is also helpful to understand, you know, what you, you, what you fuel is the output ultimately and the style of output. I'm, I'm just curious on kind of your, your, your diet in a day. Sure. So typically, um, you know, my first meal is eggs um, with some sort of berries. I love blueberries, raspberries, blackberries. Um, I'll have a protein shake with that. Um, some avocado uh, for lunch. I'll do uh, typically a salad um, with some sort of protein in it, um, some sort of fat in it, whether it's nuts or avocado. Uh, Mid-afternoon, I'll do some nuts or a protein bar. Um, then for dinner, I will do uh, typically you know, some sort of pasta or, or uh, potato or rice with some sort of protein and vegetable or green. Um, you know, that's a majority of, you know, that, that's a majority of my meals, but that doesn't mean I don't like, I mean, one thing that's for sure, like one of our mantras around here is we want our clients to be fit and happy and not fit and miserable. Um, so I certainly, <laughs> yes. enjoy, like, I certainly enjoy my favorite foods. I certainly enjoy pizza with my kids and ice cream with my kids and cookies and all that good stuff. Um, so, you know, for me, it's about, making the most of the routine meals uh, so that I can enjoy the special ones guilt-free. Now that's hugely important. And that's what I wanted. I was, that's what I was curious. I wanted to sort of unsolicited, just get your diet, your choices. And, but more than the choice you make is the reason you make them. People ask me all the time, like, Oh, you, you're one of those fitness people. And I would say, Oh, you mean those people that don't want to die in their forties? Yeah. One of the, one of those fitness people. Yeah, no, I, I do this so that I can, I can splurge every once in a while. And yeah. like, I'm not going to have watercress salads and, and, you know, egg whites and whatever, like, no, for me, my personal choice is I've, I've got a specific diet that I follow. My wife has severe food allergies. So I'm immediately limited, which is fantastic for me. Cause I'm, I, I, I really became fit after we were together because it really, mm -hmm. really focused my diet. And so I was already in decent shape before then, but it, it really took me kind of to the next level. But it doesn't mean I don't eat cookies. I just mean right. that they're gluten-free and dairy-free. It doesn't mean that I don't eat cake. It means I don't eat it every day. But you, like you said, fit and happy. If you don't have some thing that overall feels good, then we seek the reward. And the happiness comes in that single cookie, which becomes two cookies, which becomes a cookie for breakfast because you want to skip a meal. And next thing you know, we're in a, a real tough problem where we're only seeking the rewards and we're not building the system to enable the rewards to be part of it. And I think that's a, that's a key thing. Absolutely. Do you have any, now, what are your thoughts on, like as somebody comes on board, do you kind of aggressively move them towards a plan and then like give them a long-term view? Like, today we're going to do this next week we're going to do this and then in a month you can have a couple of desserts or like again i'm, I'm not asking to prescribe a program but because you talked about it being adaptive which i think is also differentiated from there's a reason why 99 percent of diets fail yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, it's only a program and no adaptiveness at all so i'm just exactly. curious that like when someone comes in they're like all right i need a little help 
but I got a Thanksgiving weekend coming up. <laughs> right. So if that was the case, then we would say, all right, let's, I want you to enjoy Thanksgiving. I want you to, you know, fully enjoy it. I don't want you to, you know, be sitting there eating a salad while everyone else is going to town. I want you to enjoy it. Um, so, you know, we would work around that, right? Because, you know, one of the number one, re one of the top reasons why people kind of quit or give up is because they feel deprived, right? So, you know, if they're going to feel deprived and likely they would around a Thanksgiving table while everyone's eating, um, that wouldn't be good. So we would work around that. Um, we wouldn't say, all right, let's just build some momentum. Let's, let's just, you know, eat super healthy for Thanksgiving. And then maybe in a month or two, once you lose weight, we can start, you know, adding things in. I'm a big believer that if the way in which you lose weight is unsustainable, then of course the, the weight loss is going to be unsustainable. And on the flip side, if you like your life as you're losing weight, then you'll be able to keep it off. Because um, our goal is weight loss, but also keeping it off, right? It's one thing to lose weight. It's another to actually keep it off. Yes. Ah, uh, yeah. And this becomes the thing of cleanses, short-term diets, aggressive yeah. diets. They, leave, they just basically, you go through the system like a maze, and then you get flopped out the other side, and that's it. You're no longer in a program, and suddenly you're, you think, oh, great, I'm, I can freewheel it again. And it's yeah. really, really easy to go right back to bad habits and regain. And anytime you're on a plan and you're saying, I can't wait for this to be over is a bad sign because that <laughs> means you go back to your old ways, right? You have to, a good plan truly gets easier and easier as time goes on. Um, but the problem is most plans rely solely on willpower and willpower is fleeting just like motivation. Um, so, you, you know, you have to find a plan that doesn't rely on willpower, you know, as much as, as most plans do. Yeah, one of the challenges I think I've found myself is I'm not good at measuring and I, I'm and, and counting. Like I, I've been able to learn that generally the calorie fat, pro, like the general counts of things that I'm eating, and just by doing it enough, I know kind of ballpark. Like I'm, I've never been the kind of guy who's like, okay, I'm gonna do 1,850 calories today. 14 grams of protein. I kid you not, Adam, I couldn't, couldn't tell you what any of the weights and measures are of the things that eat. However, I read the label for general, like ballpark guesses. And in doing so, I've been able to stay on, because if I was told to count every calorie, every gram, I would put on day two, going like, and we, this is the other thing too, is we go, we'll get a little app and we'll use our tracking app. So we use our little tracker app and then you forget to put in your snack and then you forget to put in your breakfast or you miscount your breakfast. And so they're kind of maniacally chasing the numbers. Yeah. Not accounting for, like you said, lifestyle habits. What do you, that's the stuff you need to develop. And just like that, they're, they're going to stop counting the stuff that they don't want to count. Cause they'll be like, I'm just going to cheat a little bit and then I won't put it in the system. And, and then you go, it's broken. Right. The pro you know, the problem with counting calories or points or macros is that a, it relies solely on willpower. B it'll eventually make you crazy and C it doesn't change your relationship with food. Right. So there has to be some behavioral aspect um, behind it. Otherwise, you know, uh, you know, all calories are not created equal. So it, there, there has to be more to it than just hitting a certain number or sitting, hitting a certain target.
one of the other things uh, that I've personally that I do is is intermittent fasting, uh, and and I do it intermittently. I don't I don't use the consistent like I have a generally an eight hour eating window, but I also like two days a week. I purposefully I eat like a mad fool, you know, a, a couple of days a week because I in a way I kind of need to know that I can go back, and it yeah. also reminds me that I think. I think my body appreciates going a bit out of range because I think complacency also could be potentially risky that I could plateau and that I may not be as good at a kind of continuous calorie and, and burn as I need to be. But how, how do you feel about the, you know, what now is pretty much a very strong movement of like intermittent fasting and, and general fasting? How does that play in with maybe yourself and, and your clients? So how do you recommend that? Yeah. So I really, you know, I really am a big believer that whatever works for you, you should do. And for some people, the idea of only eating in a six hour or eight hour window or fasting for whole days at a time just is unfathomable. Um, and for other people, you know, they, it works really well for them. Um, some people really enjoy the keto diet. Some people think it's ridiculous. Um, so we really take the approach of like, if this is something you want to do, then we will help you stick with it. Um, you know, there is a million ways to skin, skin the cat, so to speak. Um, you know, ultimately, you know, IF works because it's calorie restriction. You know, I mean, I know plenty of people who quote unquote do IF, um, but you know, in their eating window, they're consuming way more calories than they should be. And they're gaining That's weight. Right. You know, I think a lot of people, not, one does not automatically mean you're on the right path. It's like doing the wrong thing in the right window. doesn't, doesn't equal the right outputs. Exactly. So I know so many people who, you know, tried IF and they gain weight or people who think they're doing keto, even though, or people who think keto is just low carb. Keto is extremely low carb. I mean, if you eat more than a half avocado, you're no longer in ketosis. Um, the point is you have to find what you think is going to work for you um, and then get, get help sticking with it. Yeah. And, and this is again, like a, a thing that we do is at trying because look at something like keto. And so if you're, if you're an, uh, uh, I'm a computer guy, right? So I'm super smart. I'm going to seek all the information. I'm going to learn about keto. I'm going to learn how to measure it. I'm probably going to build an app that'll teach me how to measure my, my, my ketones and the type of food I'm eating. But that doesn't mean that I'm going to be good at the thing, you know, and my, a great example, my, my father-in-law is, he's really, really struggled with weight, but he really struggles with the relationship to food. Yeah. And I, I sort of told him, I was like, hey, here's kind of the plan that I, that I use and how it's been successful for me. However, like, let's think about things that we can do for you. And I said, you know, so I use an intermittent fasting window, but every morning I have a coconut milk latte because I just, I adore coffee more than I adore fasting. So technically I'm not actually intermittent fasting and technically right. I'm probably, I'm not in ketosis. And I remember at one point he says to me, well, your system's not actually working because you're not in ketosis. <laughs> I'm like, I have 9% body fat. I think it's working okay. <laughs> like it's, right, right. But we, we as smart people try to think, aha, the system's broken. So there's no way that anyone can succeed. And I think in a lot of ways it was because it was like we talked earlier, like looking for the out yes. at the people onset, right? Yes, people are always looking for ways to let themselves off the hook. Um, they need that. It's it's a defense mechanism, um, you know. And and I think when you realize what you when you when you're aware of that yourself, you realize how often 
you know, you, you tell yourself a story to try to let yourself off the hook. So it's, it's 2007, it's January, you hand in your resignation. What, how did, what did you know you were ready for and how did you prepare for that? Yeah, um, I remember I actually wrote a blog post. I was looking out the windows outside of the office. Uh, Ernst Young's headquarters is in Times Square. And I, th- I remember thinking, I'm like, there's a good chance I'll never have this good a view again. Um, but all I knew was I was, I felt fearless in that moment. I felt very hopeful. And I felt that like if I didn't go after this, at that point, I would regret it. Um, you know, I was only two years out of school, um, you know, and I, and I felt like now, now or never. Um, you know, my mom thought I was crazy. Uh, you know, people were, some people were encouraging me, some people weren't, but I knew this was something I had to do. I think some people are very lucky, um, you know, to, they have a job they enjoy or they have a career they really love. Uh, for me, this is a calling. Um, and I felt like I had to do this. Um, so it really put everything else kind of, uh, it wasn't nearly as, uh, you know, important. It just, to me, this is something I had to do. So that, that, that made it a little easier. How many people told you, make sure you got a backup plan, right? <laughs> a bunch of people, including my mom. I mean, my mom and listen, I've, I'm, I'm the father of two kids now. Like, you know, I want comfort. I want security for them. Um, and I get it. My mom wanted comfort and security for me as well. And, you know, she's very good at instilling reality in me and reality is, you know, who's going to pay your rent, who's going to pay your health insurance, who's going to do this, who's going to do that. Are all these people who are encouraging you, are they going to pay your rent? Are they going to keep, you know, like, you know, and, and there was definitely some fear there. Um, and perhaps that helped me too. Um, you know, but, uh, yeah, I mean, I think you have to really have a strong conviction and and belief in what you're doing. And, um, otherwise it's hard to sometimes escape that. But I think in a way, that's why I love bringing that question is, if you had a backup plan, you'd have been half eyeballs on it. Yes. When in fact, the way you succeed in what you've done is, this is there's only one path out here. You, you kind of have to have that very just like pure focus in order to, to go to you reach towards that goal and build a business out of it. Because so let's talk about that passion businesses like i kind of alluded to at the start are tough because sometimes passion doesn't pay yeah when when did you know that you had a business plan that mapped to your passion or like what order did that kind of arrive to you i'm curious yeah so the passion has always been there um and for me the dream was figuring out a way to monetize that passion um, and that's where the idea, you know, came from. It was, you know, I was giving people kind of diet and exercise advice and I realized the missing gap, the opportunity or the problem was that they couldn't follow through with it. Right. So any good business is finding a problem and any good business grows when they find more people who have that same problem. Right. So for us, the problem was people who have trouble staying consistent with their diet and exercise. Um, and that was the opportunity. And I felt like if we can offer a service um, to help people, then we have a chance. And I, even back then in 2007, you know, I mean, we'll, sure, we'll give you all sorts of great tips and tricks and strategies. But if the only thing you're selling is informa- information, I think then you're, you're doomed for failure because 
you know, there's a million books, there's Google, there's all sorts of things. I, I understand this. Um, you know, people need coaching, they need behavior change, they need um, someone to really care about them um, when it inevitably gets challenging. Um, and that was the opportunity for us. Um, you know, when I realized, like, I think that they're, they're, we can pursue this and, and this could potentially work. You, you, you say it in so many ways, but I mean, me don't even realize you do is that the care is first, you know, your, your personal journey from a child was your sister's journey. It was your dad's health. I've never heard you mention you. And even when I ask you about your stuff, you, it's, it's amazing. You, you seem to have really grown into others first. Was that something that was kind of instilled upon you through family or, or just when did you, when did you notice that that was a way that you acted? That's interesting. I, I don't, I, I don't think I've ever thought of it that way. Um, but yeah, for me, it's just seeing the pain of people close to me, um, you know, that really scarred me and I didn't want other people to experience that. So for me, it was, you know, how do I help other people avoid that pain and ultimately cross over to it being, you know, pleasurable and for them to absolutely love the way they look and feel and for them to feel that confidence. Um, you know, and for me, health and fitness has more always been, I'm not going to lie, there's definitely part of it when I first started, especially when I was younger, was that a fear. I didn't want to end up in a hospital. I didn't want to, you know, scream and cry when it came to big events. Like there was definitely some fears, you know, when you're in seventh grade and you see your dad hooked up to all these machines, it's very, very scary. Um, but then it turned into a love for, for health and fitness because I just loved what, how I felt. I loved what it did for me. Um, yeah, so that's interesting. But I think it's just always, I think it's just being the product of that my environment is, is kind of seeing that and not wanting others to experience that. And it's, it's a beautiful rarity in that you've, you've done what many won't achieve when they begin with the business and then try and map backwards to make it sound like they're passionate about it. Like they may be passionate about the growth of a business yeah. and they may be fit. And so therefore, Hey, that I can put these two things together versus you, you literally took a thing that you knew was critically important to you. And I can't be alone in this because I'm surrounded by people that I want to help. And damn it, I'm going to do this thing and I'm going to build a business that's going to help me do it. Uh, yeah. Versus I'm going to get rich. How can I do it? <laughs> Which well, is uh, unfortunately how a lot of businesses start and end. <laughs> yeah, well, thank you for that. I, I appreciate that. I think, you know, again, I think some people are lucky to have a career and some people are even luckier to have a calling. For me, it's a calling. Um, and I think what you're alluding to is opportunity. And, you know, you see people every now and then they lose weight and suddenly they're an expert in helping others lose weight. That is not about passion. That is just an opportunity. Um, and people who chase opportunities always fizzle out. They always burn out. Um, when you're chasing a calling or when you're just pursuing something that you can't not do, um, you know, success is inevitable because you're never going to give up. You're never going to stop. Yes, like the, the old joke of whatever the fad thing is, right? How do you know somebody is doing intermittent fasting? Don't worry, they'll tell you. <laughs> like, it's, it's like it's like CrossFit and, exactly. you know, whatever. It's, you know, remember Pilates when that was a thing? Like then, like, it still is for a lot of people. However, you know, that it, it's no longer a fad. It's no longer 
this new thing so people aren't like wowed about it anymore <laughs> yeah. Yeah. which is so sad that we kind of diets are the perfect example that it's a fad thing that we just get so easily pulled into this like hey wait a second you're eating avocado i heard that was out this week it's all about kale and like man oh no forget about that it's it's it now it's it's acerola you know like whatever the the new yeah. superfood of choice is uh it's it's kind of dangerous because because those fads come and go when people see a program that could work they immediately are like we keep talking about looking for the out they're like ah this is great but i right. don't know if it'll work you know and, and maybe right. this isn't really maybe this won't stick like, i don't know it's, it's if you if that's how you think about it you're already looking for the exit absolutely um, i call those people tactic chasers you know they're always looking for the next tactic they're always looking for the next you know, secret, the next magic pill, um, you know, and one of my missions is to dispel this myth that there is a secret. The only secret is there is no secret, right? It's about eating well and exercising and doing those two things consistently. And it's like the old joke. It's like, you know, someone asked me, how do I lose weight? You got to eat right, you got to exercise and, and do it consistently. And then they're like, no, tell me really, how else can I do it? And it's like, they will do everything <laughs> yeah. but eat well and exercise. Um, you know, some people just will do anything to avoid um, you know, the only way, unfortunately, they, they're always looking for the magic shortcut. They're always looking for the secret. And I think part of us, I think all of us have that in our brain. There's, we're always seeking out that, that, you know, that trick or the magic potion or the secret or whatever it is. And I think you have to be aware of that and understand that it doesn't exist. It could be with anything, right? In business, in work, whatever, you're always like, oh, if I just know this other, this one other thing or this one other tactic, but really that's just a defense mechanism from preventing you from doing the work. Yeah, that's, and it's a, such a such a classic characteristic that <clears throat> so many people think like, hey, I'm smarter than this. I'm just going to find the system and then I'm going to find the app that figured out the yeah. system and then I'm going to subscribe to that app. And then eight months later, they're like, what's this thing on my credit card bill? Ah, oh, man, it's that app that I haven't used for seven months, right? Yeah. <laughs> when you bring your values into your home yeah i'm curious you talked about habits and i think one of the most difficult things we do when we are facing a personal dietary fitness whatever change that we have to do whether forced because of health a real health problem or just you want to make a change it's hard because you're not introducing your change everyone around you effectively is facing that change with you and when you're maybe changing, you want to skip breakfast, you're sitting with your kids telling them that breakfast is an important meal and then you won't eat one. Right? How, right. Do you, how do you bring that in so that your developing habits don't have to be adopted by the people around you, but yet they get why you're doing it? Yeah, I mean, that's, that's a tricky, uh, that's tricky because, you know, yeah, I mean, we always say like, you know, especially for busy parents, you know, they don't want to become short order cooks, right? They don't want to have to cook themselves their own dinner and then cook their kids a separate dinner. Um, I think it's really about being realistic, being um, making the most of the changes you're fully in control of. Um, you know, the best way to change other people is to change yourself, right? You know, there's many instances where I'm working with someone and their significant other, um, you know, doesn't prioritize their health and they don't care about it. And it's like, well, how do I get her, you know, he or she on board? And it's like, well, first you be committed to the change 
and then see what happens. But it's way easier to change yourself than others. That's for sure. Yeah. And the tough part is there's a, and again, I'll, I'll just quickly tell it in a personal story. I, I was at, at the time I was going through my, I had to make a change. And so I started, you know, exercising uh, consistently. I started, uh, you know, a, a more foundationally different diet and it was beginning to really feel good, work well, do the things that I needed to do. And my, my partner at the time was angered that I was like, why are you doing that? I don't understand. And which is why I'm saying at the time, <laughs> you know, cause no, no, there's two things could have happened. You know, we could have figured it out together or, you know, here, here I am uh, in a different situation. So, but, and that was a tough thing, right? Because they're, they are there all the time experiencing it with you. And, and sometimes they're not always understanding that you need to make a change and it's for all of you. Yeah, for sure. It's just like, oh, well, there you go. You know, Adam's wife says, Adam, why well, you're just, you're just exercising more because you want to look good for somebody else. You're like, well, I think we're actually finding another problem. <laughs> like yes. you, you may be actually highlighting, it's like I say, running doesn't create problems with your knees, it finds problem with your knees. <laughs> you, it, if you do it right, won't be a problem, but you're going to find yeah. your problems real fast. Yeah, absolutely. I like that. That's absolutely true. Uh, fitness as part of this, because I, I always say it's diet and exercise for a reason. There's a lot of back and forth on, you know, kind of the, you know, ways in which you have to introduce fitness as part of diet and diet as part of fitness. How do you like to change? Because sometimes it could be too much change to do both at the same time. So I'm curious in what methods have been successful, maybe in a couple of anecdotal cases. Yeah, I mean, just, I mean, my general belief is that, you know, 80% of weight loss is diet, um, you know, 20% is exercise. Um, I always say it's about what, why, and how you eat. Um, diet is the key to weight loss. Exercise is, is the key to stress relief, energy, a better mood. Um, so for us, we want to help our clients get away from feeling like they have to exercise um, to more of they get to exercise because when they exercise, they're a better version of themselves, they're happier, they're more productive, they're more energized, they have better thinking, et cetera. Um, and that's a big, a big shift because so many people their entire lives or at least their adult lives when it comes to weight loss have been told they have to exercise. Um, and typically when we're told we have to do something, we, you know, we react, right? And what's known as reactants, we want to do the opposite. Um, so for us, we want to approach it in a way that they enjoy. So if it's walking, if it's going for a bike ride, if it's playing some sports, whatever it might be, um, you know, that's, that's really important because again, if you don't enjoy doing it, then the likelihood of you staking with it is going to be fairly low. And the, the exercises, I remembered I worked with a fellow and, and he would go through stints and he was, he was pretty decently overweight, just a natural thing that had occurred over time. And, you know, and then he, every year, you know, usually around Christmas time, you know, you suddenly realize like, ah, oh, man, it's New Year's resolution time. We go through the usual thing. And you could say, ah, okay, uh, I'm going to, I'm going to start going to the gym again. And that was his tactic was like, okay, I'm going to not eat as much as I did for the past two weeks, but I'm going to start going to the gym again. And then he would go to the gym three days in a row and do damage to himself somehow. But the funny thing was leading up to that, he'd be like, 
breaking out massive like protein shakes and all this crazy stuff. And I was like, you're good. You don't, I don't think you need that stuff to fuel your journey to the gym because you're, you're carrying around your fuel. I'm like, just give it a go. (laughs) Yeah. 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 Um, I think a lot of people, you know, the first thing they think of when it comes to weight loss is I got to get back to the gym. Um, you know, and it's certainly important and exercise is what's known as a keystone behavior, uh, keystone habit where when you exercise, it tends to impact every other aspect of your life. Um, so people typically when they exercise, they feel good and because they feel good, they're more likely to eat well. Um, but it can also have the, the opposite effect where for some people they exercise and then because they exercise, they feel like they're entitled to eat more. Right. So it's known as overcompensation happens. Right. So they, they force themselves to go to the gym. Um, you know, maybe they burn 300 calories if they're lucky, then they come home and because they hated exercising, they feel entitled to a reward and then they have a pint of ice cream for a thousand calories. So from a weight loss perspective, they would have been better off just laying in bed. Right. So, um, you know, it's, it's important to a, do what you enjoy. Um, but also B, if you're pushing yourself too much, you're going to wind up burning out. You know, we all know that those people who say, all right, I'm going to go to the gym every single day you know, starting January 1st and, you know, 99 times out of a hundred, you know, they're done by, you know, mid January. Yeah. And the, another thing that was funny, I heard an interview uh, with, uh, I forget who, who it was. He was a, someone in, uh, in, in the UFC and sort of talking about his, his workout plan was bizarre. Of course, like the output levels yeah. are, are incredible there. So he's working out doing split routines and you know just huge huge workouts basically working out five hours a day split across plus all this other stuff in between and then he he talks to the radio host and and he says you know you know what do you what kind what are you drinking there he's like oh it's it's just black coffee he goes you know what are you drinking he says i'm having a latte and he's like i could i can literally never do that like his he's just like he's like that's funny he says you work out five hours a day and you won't drink a latte he says i do 45 minutes on the elliptical, I feel like I can go to a buffet as a reward. And, and that's really how we're kind of yeah. wired of like, whew, I did a good job. Let me go and, yeah. and treat myself. <laughs> right. Well, that, that's moral licensing, right? So you feel, you feel like you did good in one area. So then you'll let yourself off the hook in another area. So how do we carefully introduce those, those, cap- those rewards like that and celebrate then? I've my own thing is that, you know, I know if I go, I can go heavy, I can eat more, I can do whatever I can have a big buffet, whatever, I can have a big barbecue with the family on a Saturday. And I may literally skip two meals the following day, because I know that I, my body is able to do it. And I'm used to doing it. But at, at the first, you know, area of changing my habits, it was I wouldn't be able to go a day without food, you know, because I wasn't ready for it. So what are those kind of, like, when do you want to introduce, do a certain amount of habit building and then do a certain amount of rewarding? Is, is there any formula you found? Here I am, like the guy that's, we just talked about, oh, there's no formula and I'm going to ask you for a formula, but like, <laughs> how do we carefully introduce that we do deserve something to keep us on track. Yeah. So I really do think it has to be, uh, it's dependent on the person, right? For some people, it might be a little easier to abstain. Um, and they do better where they might just be a few weeks without a quote unquote reward. Whereas, you know, some people, they, you know, kind of have to have, you know, 
reward way more often. Um, it really, you know, it, it ha it's dependent on the person. It really is. Uh, personally, you know, and what we teach is like for you to never indulge and even to, to go a week without indulging, like, I mean, it's certainly doable, but I don't know if people want to do that, right? I don't want to sit there and eat salad while my kids are eating pizza. So, you know, like, I just believe that if you, if you don't like your life as, as you're losing weight, then you're not going to stick with it for very long. Um, so we really kind of practice that and, and teach that. Um, yeah. So it, it, for us, it's, it's, you know, we talk, we, we have this analogy we use essentially, let's say you were given a thousand dollars a week to give to charity, right? So you have a thousand bucks, you have to give it to charity and you can only give it to two or three charities every week, right? So it's a nice position to be in. You can give, do some good with charity. So it's not a question of if you can give to charity, just a question of like who and where and what. And that's the same thing we like to teach with our clients. Um, you know, you, it's not a question of if you get to indulge, it's a question of when, um, we just want to make sure it's worthwhile, it's memorable. Um, and that, you know, there's a big difference between using food and enjoying food. Um, right. So using is kind of emotional eating, stress eating, mindless eating, whereas enjoying it is, you know, you're enjoying it with your family. It's part of an experience. Um, so that's kind of the framework we teach with our clients. It's a great point. And, and your, your analogy is actually really solid because it, <clears throat> it is something that people get. And I think that's part of it is that, you know, using analogous references, using other comparative, like success stories are, are really fantastic for especially weight and management and lifestyle changes because you have to be able to see that someone else has done this before you. And yeah. it kind of, it helps with this sort of inspiration of, of getting there. And again, you know, to kind of, for folks that haven't already typed it in, mybodytutor.com, right? Why do I believe in what you're doing is so different and differentiated? It's because no matter how many times I ask you what I should eat, you say you want to figure me out first. And that's so different. There's no formula. And, you know, we really, really have to be adaptive to what that person's going to do. And as part of the relationship building uh, and, and it's really, really important. Now I'm curious. So 2007, here we are 2020. You've, you've been successful in, in growing, growing your, your, your team and, and, and your business. What's, what's next? You know, is it continued to sort of carry this program forward? Have you got any other big goals that you're setting for yourself? Cause I sure hope that you aren't only thinking of everybody else right now in every day, Adam, because I know you, you probably need to reward yourself and maybe you need a little reminder. <laughs> what's, what's a big goal for you coming up? Yeah. Um, I mean, I will say like, I, I thank my lucky stars every day. I, I feel for me, you know, getting to do what I love doing every day is the real reward. Um, I have, you know, being at Ernst Young for two years, I know what it felt like. I know how much I hated it. Like, so for me, loving what I do every day is the true reward. Um, you know, thankfully, you know, we've grown our company. We have, you know, over 40 coaches now. Um, you know, we have a full-time team. Um, you know, so for us, it's about doing more of that. You know, we just want to continue to serve people, continue to help people. Um, you know, so that that is, you know, for me, my goal is to be, is to create a company that my kids can one day take over if they wanted to. Um, I'm looking to build an enduring company. Um, you know, so that that's, you know, that's my big goal for right now. Do you feel that there was any other market timing or sort of like world timing that 
helped to align? Like, do you think that you could have done what you're doing had you started in 2001 as, as an example? No, I mean, listen, this, this entire business is, is internet based, right? So if I was born uh, 40 years earlier, um, you know, then I wouldn't be able to do this, right? So we're very lucky that, uh, you know, my passion for this and uh, health and fitness is, it coincides with the internet. Um, because for me, the internet allows me to serve a lot more people. Um, whereas if the internet didn't exist, I would do, be doing some form of this, um, but it would likely be in person, right? And that would limit the amount of people I can impact. Um, so for me, the impact is definitely what drives me as well. And the internet gives me the capability to serve a lot more people. Now, the other thing is we obviously, as, as we talk, we're recording this, we're on the tail end of around 100 days uh, since the sort of beginning of the major, uh, you know, shelter in place throughout different parts of, of the world. How has that affected folks that are, that are you're coaching and, and in your program? Because I'm curious, you know, how much that impacted, because I know it's bound to have really, really, it, it psychologically changes a lot of people's just regular habits, but it's also easy to say, hey, the whole world's different. Maybe I don't need to stay on, like, it's very easy to break out of habit because the world fundamentally shifted underneath everybody. Yeah, I mean, I think first off, a lot of people have kind of resorted to comfort food. Um, you know, people who maybe normally wouldn't let themselves, you know, buy certain things, started buying things. Um, so I think a lot more people are using comfort food. And I think, you know, fortunately for us, um, you know, people are looking for a service like ours. Um, and every single day we're getting emails. It's like, oh, I've been looking exactly for something like this. Um, so, you know, we've been fortunate in that regard. And we've also had people, you know, sadly, you know, they lost their job or they lost sources of income, um, you know, and they weren't able to keep up with the program. Um, so it's certainly hurt us, but it's also benefited us where, you know, a lot of people are looking for a service like ours. And I, and I think that's that's really what it is, is in this time, it's the most important that we just in like in so many ways, we pay ourselves first. And I think health is the best gift that anyone can give to ourselves. My manager at the time when I was working at an organization, as I started my own kind of journey, we had a deal that worked out with the gym that was in the building next door to us. And they opened up their doors. And it was like a really nice, like high-end gym with like full-time concierge, the whole deal. It was a, it was like a, a sort of an old boys club, you know, so and it was really, really beautiful gym. And they made this deal with our company that it was literally $20 a month. It's, it's like a $2,000 sign-up fee plus $120 a month for the gym. They opened it up for $20 a month. Wow. And my manager at the time, he brings our whole team in for our weekly meeting. And he says, so here's the deal. The fitness center is now available for $20 a month. He says, I want everybody in there. Take two hours out of your day set it aside for warm up, cool down, relaxing, get it in there. I know you do work at night. I know you're working around the clock. I know you, you, you need this. So do it. He says, and submit an hour of overtime a month and that pay for it that way. He says the word, this is the best gift this company will ever give you Wow, is the opportunity to get in there. And he really made it a priority. And as a result, out of a team of 12 people, 12 out of 12 joined the gym and Five months later, 10 out of 12 were, were there. The only reason the two weren't is because they had left the company. So people, they stuck with it because we prioritized it and rewarded it. 
and made it just like this is an incredible benefit. And this is why I hope that companies are coming to you and saying, hey, look, Adam, I need this for my, my team. You know, how do we do that? And, and I think that's probably the, for folks that are looking to do that, this is an incredible benefit that you can give. If you want your employees to be happy, keep them healthy. <laughs> keep them out of the medical system. <laughs> yeah, I couldn't agree more. I mean, that's amazing that they did that. Um, I'm a big believer, as you are, obviously. You know, when you take care of yourself, when you focus on the fundamentals, eating well, exercising, sleeping, um, it enables you to deal with and handle everything else so much better. The foundational things impact everything. Um, you know, and too often, unfortunately, you know, when things feel out of our control, when we feel powerless, we typically give up what uh, give up on what we can most control, um, and that only perpetuates that feeling of powerlessness. So, when you take care of yourself, it enables you to do everything better. Um, you know, when you conquer yourself, you feel like you can conquer the world, and that's the best part. And I think the realistic goals and people that are succeeding with you is so important. <clears throat> Excuse me, I always say, I'm like, I'm a, a big follower of like a lot of online sort of fitness folks and it's kind of neat. And uh, I always get a kick out of it. Like I follow like David Goggins as a great example. He's got a fantastic story, way obscure. Like there's no, no nobody should do what he does. And I, I laugh like he watches Instagram and it's like, he just shows his camera in one direction. It says it's four o'clock in the morning. Nobody's out here. Not even people going up to work. Even if you get up early, you're still sleeping. That's what I do. And then he's like, I was like, dude, put your shirt on. You don't need to be out there running this early. But like, so we see that and we're like, that's unattainable. So therefore, I don't need to go to the gym today. <laughs> and I, I feel unfortunate that we, we kind of get wrapped into that, that thing. So, you know, what, what we need to do is find people that are like us, that, can, that have been through it with us and use those as coaches, as guides. And, and then, uh, so it's really, really good, which again, like I said, the approach you've taken is one that I know will work because it's what got me, you know, through using a similar style of having a personal coach that could help me get to that goal. So what, what is the, the best thing that, that folks can do in a time where they're starting to unlock, we're starting to head out, you know, summertime. Is there a good time? Is there a bad time? I'm always curious. Do you ever find that there's like seasonality to when it's easier to get started on, on a program? You know, so people in the winter say it's too cold. You know, there's too many treats around. There's too many holidays. People in the summer will say there's too many barbecues. There's too many times I just want to be on the beach. Um, you know, there's never perfect time. There's never, ever perfect time, you know, and, you know, part of, um, our brain's job is to kind of, you know, find a way to avoid action, right? So we'll say, oh, I'll wait until X or I'll wait until Y, but the, there's always something on the horizon. There is never a perfect time. And that's why the best time to start is now, um, you know, and part of it is coming up with and doing a plan that enables you to live through normal life, through the holidays, through the birthdays, through the anniversaries, through, you know, all these special events, because like you don't have to wait until it's over. Um, that in itself is lending yourself to this idea of like starting and stopping. And as you know, fitness isn't about starting and stopping. It's about sticking with it. Um, so yeah, there's never a perfect time. I'll close with one last question. When somebody looks at you and they say, it must be easy for you. What do you tell them? Um, I think that, 
you know, I, I think they're looking at me, they're basing it off, you know, my exterior. I think it's, we all do that with, especially with social media. It's very easy to look at people's pictures and, you know, they're, they're curated, you know, uh, social media. timeline, right? <laughs> um, you know, when I work with a lot of these people who, you know, appear absolutely perfect and have this, you know, they, they spend a lot of time um, crafting this, you know, uh, facade, but it, when I get to know them, they all suffer, they all struggle, they all work very hard. Um, and some people, it's part of their brand to, um, you know, make it seem effortless, right? There was a fascinating article in the Times many years ago, um, how actors and actresses will go out of their way, especially on their Instagram and social media to show themselves eating like just junk food. And it's like, they want to appear relatable, but it's like, Someone who looks good is probably putting a lot of effort in. And on the flip side, you know, someone who, you know, like, I guess the point is you don't just because you see how someone eats, you don't know how they eat when they're alone. You yeah, it's the, oh, I, I, you, I, we lost you on mute there for a second. There we oh, go. can you hear me now? Yeah, yeah. Sorry. But yeah, you're, you really, you, you hit it on the head is that, you know, they don't, they don't necessarily see the hours that you put in and, and it's unfortunate because we, we do get kind of wrapped into this. And I, people always ask me, they say like, oh, well, look at you, you're a cyclist, you're, you run, whatever, it must be easy for you. I'm like, no, no, it's, it's, it sucks every time, trust me. But I've just gotten used to knowing that, I knowing what it's worth to me. And, and I make, I make a choice and, and so it's good. And, and like you said, finding the right influence, finding the right coaches, finding the right methods and tuning them to your capabilities means you're going to succeed. Um, so Adam, thank you very much. This has been a really, really eye opening conversation. I hope for a lot of folks and, and something that they can understand that like, like the Chinese proverb says the best time to start thing is you know, planted trees 20 years ago the second best time is just now and there's no reason why you need to wait until after thanksgiving or after memorial day or after your birthday whatever just make it part of the process and and just start now so get on over to mybodytutor.com there you go i'll give the ad <laughs> and it's not even an ad you're literally i i for folks who are listening adam has never asked me to mention where he's from it's my choice right like i see what how important it is we all need to do something. And if, if this can help you, then by God, get in there and do it. Thank you very much. I appreciate the kind words. And, you know, for those that are listening, listen, you know, I would love to help you, but we also, you know, we have an entirely free course. So go to the website, you'll see it at the bottom. You know, you'll learn a lot uh, and, and I'm confident, you know, you'll really enjoy it as well. It's, uh, it's definitely good. And, and I do, I wish you and, and hope for continued success. And I hope that we can all, uh, get out of doors soon uh, and celebrate some barbecues that will fit into our plan as they should so that we can all celebrate together and, and reward the right things. And uh, so I'm, I'm going to go have some comfort food and then go do some comfort squats. So uh, <laughs> Adam, thank you very much. Oh, how do people find you online as well? What's the best way if they want to connect with you directly? Uh, directly, you can find me on social media, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, My Body Tutor. You can email me, Adam at My Body Tutor. And of course, go to the website, mybodytutor.com. You can find me all those places. Excellent. I'll have all the links in the, in the show notes as well. Adam, thank you very much. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you again. I appreciate it.